I, I, I want to, I just want to talk to you about passion. And today, I want to talk to you about the topic living with passion from this, this concept, a passionate force, okay? What is the force in our life that perpetuates passion? What is it that causes, that brings about passion? And my, my long goal here is for us to come alive as a church. I want us to come alive. I want us to have spiritual passion. But uh, I, anybody glad you're here? Anybody glad you're here? All right. All right. Anybody glad we got kids ministry upstairs? Anybody thankful for that downstairs? All right. So good, because I'm about to ask a question. All right. All right. What turns you on? What, turn, what, turns you on? what turns you on? So when I, when I say it like that, you know, some people are saying uh, all kinds of things. You know, they're saying like, uh, you know, uh, who was it this morning? Matt Gay said pancakes. And I thought, okay, pancakes. Uh, I don't know the backstory on that. Uh, roses, music, you know. You know, I love, I love me some love songs, okay? But you got to be careful because some of those love songs aren't love songs. They're just lust songs. That's all they are. So you got to be careful. Right? But love songs, all right? And we talk about that Valentine's dinner and dancing, you know? Uh, you know, I ain't telling you all my stories. But I- I'm just saying that, uh, that there are certain things just made, yeah, baby, come on. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, oh, what's he saying up there? You know, you know that, whoa, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, anybody married in this room but me? Got any husbands in the room? Any husbands? So, so my wife says she's going to go get a manicure. Some say, do that. Yeah. You know, she's going to go get her hair done. Baby, you can't get your hair. Do that. You know, my wife says, oh, you know, I'd like to go buy something nice, which, you know, Diana never worries about that. She's not like the shopping lady, you know, that's always out there doing that. But yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> Where do we want to go to dinner? Um... Wherever you want to go, sweetheart. You know, my wife loves sushi. You know, she loves some sushi. And so, you know, I, sushi. What? You know what? When she's happy, that makes me happy. You know, just kind of. Now, that's nice. But when I say turn you on, uh, anybody ever been 12 before? Okay. Okay. Just so you know, 12 years old might have been a long time ago or might be tomorrow for some of you in the room. All right. Some of you are in your 50s and you're still acting like you're 12. All right? And you can tell because you just move according to the chemical reactions in your body. And the chemical reactions are causing. Because really, when, it, when I ask the question, what turns you on? I mean, here's what happens. When I say, what turns you on? Your brain goes, woo! Right? That's what happens. Because it's like all these uh, uh, endorphins, all these chemicals, these hormones and things just start jumping up and down. If this happens, boom, 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 yeah, that's, that's where you go. And that's why you say, well, you know, teenagers say, you know, don't, you shouldn't be worried about who I like or what I think. Look, look, I was an adolescent at one time. I ain't getting amens like I thought I would be. You're looking at me like, Pastor, I can't believe you're talking about this. Well, somebody's got to talk to it, to you about it. Somebody has to. You, listen, listen, you can't, you can't let your high school days ruin the rest of your life. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Make a stand. Can I get a yes from somebody? And then you can end up also with things happening that causes passion, carnal passion in your life that if you don't deal with it, it will control the rest of your life. All right? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but a lot of the people in this room, a big bunch of the people in this room, if you lifted your hand on this question, how many ever made some mistakes because of carnal passion? All right? Absolutely. But at the same time, uh, you might even have some children that were birthed out of that. Somebody thank God for the kids. Somebody thank God for the kids. Not talking about the kids. Talking about the soul ties and the broken things that have happened, the broken relationships. Come on, am I right? And then you hear all of these stories, you know, about people with lots of money who can't seem to keep a relationship together, all right? But, I mean, they're always passionate in the movies. 
always passionate. You say, well, why can't people like that? Because they haven't dealt with the deep issues of their life and their carnality is controlling them. Folks, people need Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. And we, not only when I say we need Jesus, we need to be saved and we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, I had this, I had this one statement because I was asking about... Uh, about what what about passion and I was thinking about you know when it comes to passion it's not just from a physical intimate perspective there are people that are passionate about things that have nothing to do with physical intimacy like they're passionate about their offense like they've been offended and and if somebody with the same first name as the individual who offended them walks in the room it all just kind of erupts inside of them okay Fred your name's Fred really I know a Fred <laughs> I need with you that's it get out of here stay away from me I don't I hate Fred's you know if your name's Fred I want you to know I love you this was just an illustration okay uh, and, and people also just in their life some people don't live with passion they don't do anything with passion uh, in particular, unnamed restaurant. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna name it. Did not name it. Okay, but Diane and I go through the drive-through regularly at this particular restaurant, and we know all of the people that we drive through. Okay, we have our own names for them because of their passion or lack thereof. Okay, like there's baby lady. Okay, baby lady calls everybody baby. Okay. So, hello, baby, what can I get for you, baby? Okay, and then you, you know, pull up, baby, that'll be, and then you, you know, if she's working at the other, you know, the second window, it's, uh, thank you, baby, you know, and I, and I just say back, hey, love you, baby, you know, it's fun. How many know I would do that? Anybody know I would do that? I am that guy, all right? And then there's like motormouth lady, okay, motormouth lady, she talks like she is a Fast and Furious car, okay? It's like, hello, what do you want? And, you know, you can't quite understand it. She's saying it so fast. It's like, please, you want to get through the line because I want to take your money. I want you to be gone. You know, that sort of a, I love that. I, you know, I try to restate what she says as fast as she can say it, but I can't. I just can't. And, I, and I'm a preacher, right? you know? And then there's, there's this one, bless his heart, praying for him. One day I'm going to connect with him. But, uh, He's goth boy. We just call him goth boy because he has black fingernails and uh, something with his eyes. And when you pull up, he looks at you. <laughs> and if, you, if he is at the last window, he doesn't say a word to you. He just opens the, he open, literally, I'm not exaggerating, am I, honey? Opens the window and looks at you like, And I'm looking for the rest of the Adams family. I really am. And is Wednesday back there somewhere? Gotta, she's nice, but I just, I just look at him and, and because, you know, that's about all I get out of him. And so I look back at him and hmm. I do that. I do. You know, one day I'm going to get him to Jesus. But right now, right now, I'm just trying to build a hmm relationship with him. So, but... They're probably passionate. I mean, think about it. To be so passionate, and I think the goth thing, I thought the goth craze was over, but I mean, years ago, I mean, the goth was everywhere. Some of you might have been into it. Maybe some of you are still into it. Love you. Let's get you in something, okay? Let's, let's get some of that healed. But uh, uh, there, is a, there is a passion that he has about that area. Okay, there is a force inside of him Move, anybody understand what I'm saying? And, and for some of us, there is something about that's going on, going on inside of us. Now, God doesn't want you to be controlled by worldly passions. He doesn't want your life controlled by them. And you might be passionate about your education. I, I think that's cool, cool, good and cool. I think there's, 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 there's biblical affirmation I can give for that. But, but we are the church of the Lord Jesus and there should be a passionate force inside of us that is corporate. Does anybody agree with what I'm teaching you? There should be this kind of corporate passion. And, and I'm, I'm looking at John 2.17 just to set this up. Because here and in other places, the disciples, the disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. And he's, they're talking about Jesus. Passion for God's house 
will consume me. Passion for God's house will consume me. So if I am spiritually passionate, here's the reality. My spiritual passion is going to uh, show up in certain areas. What turns you on spiritually? How about worship? What about confession and repentance? What turns you on spiritually? Maybe seeing people come to Christ or the Word of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, revelation by the Holy Spirit, being a part of the body of Christ, serving in the house of God. I mean, but compare, you know, like a moment ago, I showed you what happens in your head when I say what turns you on. But when I say what turns you on spiritually, what happens? When church is over, you know, what, what turns you on spiritually? I mean, if you knew and Valentine's Day was coming up and you're married, just thought I'd throw that in, and you knew exactly what turned your spouse on, you mean, yeah, I'm going to the store and get me some roses, getting me some candy, I'm picking out a good restaurant. Listen, what turns you on spiritually? I was looking at the crowd today, and we were worshiping Jesus. And, you know, I do. I scan this congregation all the time. I'm constantly looking, taking a look. I'm looking to heaven, but I'm a watchman. So I got, I'm, I'm standing on the wall, looking around the room, seeing what, needs to, what, what God is doing. But at, at, I was noticing that some of you, like, had your hands in the air. What was up? And I didn't see anybody saying, hey, 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 we need to stop this worship right now. I didn't see any of that going on, all right? You know what was going on? You guys were just wanting to be in the presence of the Lord. You were spiritually turned on. How, has anybody been in prayer? And, 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 no, and Now, you may not like this because some of the things that turn you on spiritually are painful like confession and repentance. Because in your mind, it's like, oh, if I repent, that's going to be tough. But for those of us who have walked through that, wave at me. Anybody? How many know there is power in that? There's power. It's like everything else, when you just say, Lord, I know this is the mess that's going on inside of me, and I want to get honest with you right now. Or when you see people come to Christ, or how many have ever discovered this thing called the Bible? Anybody ever discovered this? I love the Word of God. Anybody else love the Word of God? Not only do I love the Word of God, I like being taught the Word of God. That's right. Even me, the all-knowing Pastor Rick. I love, that was sarcasm, okay? I love being taught the Word of God. There are speakers and teachers that I just love to listen to, and I'll turn them on and listen. I'll sit. You, I'll see you. I know you. I, have, I can't remember the last time I went to the movie theater. I told her I was going to take her. She likes to go to the movies on occasion, but it's tough to find a good movie. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's just tough. And so, uh, you know, I won't turn on just praise music. I'll turn on like the Passion Band or, or Kim Walker Smith. She was in town, you know. Uh, I just turn, just turn it on and just listen to it in my car because it causes something to turn over on the inside of me. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody had that happen? Or have a revelation of the Holy Spirit? Man, it happens. I mean, it regularly happens to me early on a Sunday morning. I'll be, uh, I'll be you know, just sitting there on the edge of the bed, getting up, moving, and, and uh, just take a shower and sit down. And it's like Holy Spirit says, oh, yeah, I... I know you think you're all prepared, but I got a few revelations I'd like you to write down. And uh, happened to me this morning, happens to me regularly. Diane will see me sitting over there, you know, taking notes on my phone, you know, because it just happens. I love this sort of thing. Being a part of this body, being a part of the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Serving in the house of God. Anybody love that? Oh, no, it's my turn to serve. No, praise God, I get to serve in the house. See, the church is designed to be a passionate force. Uh, and, 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 I, and I want you to see this. This is a scripture that those of you who've been around for a while know that I took about six months and preached regularly on it the first six months of my pastorate. It might have been the whole year. Acts 2, verse 16. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
And then I love this next part. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I love this. In a world that's constantly saying, you know, we need to make sure that we tear down these dividing walls. Just read this. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men shall dream, excuse me. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. In other words, I ain't leaving nobody out. And I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, and I know when I'm reading all of this to you, it makes you a little bit weird. You know, like you're, you're saying, you know, you're trying to fill in all the prophetic blanks. But, but here it is. The Holy Spirit's going to consume people because the force of heaven is to heal people and bring them into relationship with God. Does anybody believe what I'm saying? That's what this is about. That's that force. What is this compelling thing that's going on inside of me? Listen, if you don't care whether or not people come to Jesus Christ, you need to check what you're plugged into. I mean, if you just walk by broken people, and it don't matter to me. I ain't responsible for nobody, you know? I mean, that's really good, all right? Because Satan loves that attitude. All right? And you say, am I telling you to change your attitude? No. I'm saying you may have a passion issue. We need a passion. Am I right about this? We need a passion that is ignited by the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, you see all of these other things. Basically, people begin to have visions and dreams that excite them, and God joins with them in partnership in order for the world to be changed. You see all of these other things. God says, I'm coming alongside of you because you're going to have dreams and visions, and I'm going to fulfill those things. And you're going to see signs in the heavens and signs on the earth and all, all kinds of things. So do you, I want you to be a part of this passionate, compelling work in these last days. Folks, this is for us. We are designed to be a passionate force. And when we are not a passionate force, we are just boring. Jesus. Spiritual passion. Uh, it's, it, you, know, it's, you know, this stuff really gets me excited, right? Somebody say, come Holy Spirit. When you say, come Holy Spirit, your spirit man starts jumping up and down uh, because it ignites force. Now, here's, here's my definition, okay? Spiritual passion, a consuming desire. Now, you know this scripture, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and mind and strength, driven by the fire of the Holy Spirit. How many know that you're supposed to love God? How many have ever felt... A struggle with that, yes. with all your heart, okay? So where, how do we overcome that? Well, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have willpower. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some people, you know, you're afraid to talk about it. You need Holy Spirit. That, that's how the church took off. It was the Holy Spirit. They started living out the sacrificial, nothing matters but Jesus kind of attitude. I'm going to, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, Jesus in the evening, Jesus when the sun goes down. You know what I'm saying? That, that kind of thing, like take this whole world, but give me Jesus. That all takes place as we see the Holy Spirit uh, being poured out. So spiritual passion changes things. Uh, it will, spiritual passion changes everything, not just the church, but it will change your relationships, yeah. right? Yes. How many know the Holy Spirit will change your relationships? Anybody know that? Yeah. And I'm going to throw in your homes, your entire home is going to be changed. Parenting. Somebody shout parenting. Yeah. Anybody ever wondered what to do with them crazy kids that run around your house, okay? We, we spent uh, a day and a half in Atlanta at a conference this past week with Joe McGee. Wow, what a powerful family teacher he is. Nuts, but... It was so great, and he was talking about parenting. And I'll just, I'll just throw this. He was talking about parenting. He says, you know, there's three things you need to do. You need to teach your children, one, to fear God. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. You need them to, to fear God. And uh, anybody believe that? Yeah. All right? You need to teach them to do that. I mean, if you're, when you're complete, when this job is over, you want to raise children that believe in. And when I say fear God, you say, well, that God loves them. Yes, that he loves them. We're getting really good at that. But this whole concept that he is 
I am that I am, that he is holy, 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 holy. Sometimes we just toss that to the curb. It's like, yeah, I believe in God, and I believe he's holy, and that's why I don't need to be. How many know nobody wrote that? Anybody know that? So, but his holiness, uh, by the passionate force of the Holy Spirit, begins to show up in your life. Uh, parenting, though, what was I saying? Uh, 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 fear God, all right? Uh, and to have great Christian friends. Anybody believe that? He said, my kids can pick their own friends. Okay, you're acting like a fool as a parent. Did I say that? Is that okay? Can I get one amen in the house? Your kids need to have great Christian friends. Well, you know, I know, but I just want them mostly to have a great education. You know, educated people go to hell all the time. All right? Get your education, but you need to be surrounded with Christian friends. Listen, here's something else. Your kids need to grow up as a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. They're really busy. No. Your kids teach. Can I get an amen from somebody? There's a bunch of other things I could tell you, but I'll just leave it at that. Parenting, finances, spiritual passion changes your finances, defeats sin, overcomes addictions, heals your life, overcomes the enemy, empowers deep, eternal love. Wow. And perpetuates victory in every area of your life. So I'm, I'm telling you, carnal passion attempts to replace spiritual passion. How many have found that to be true? Here, let, me, let me help you. Let me show you what carnal passion says. Look, God just wants you to be happy. Go ahead and eat that piece of fruit off the tree. Okay? That's what, how many know that's what carnal passion says? Look, look. If loving you is right, I don't, I, wrong, I don't want to be right. Right? So, uh, carnal passion attempts to replace spiritual passion. Carnal passion can't manage your life. It's like an addiction. So much so that you really need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus charged them. He said, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but many days you but but before many days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Anybody get that? Okay. That doesn't mean that we no longer baptize in water. But he's saying, in the same way you go completely under and are totally saturated with water, I'm going to take you completely under and fully saturate you with the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? Anybody understand that? So I was baptized in water. Okay. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit since you have believed? Uh, no, but that just seems weird because people act really strange when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might be able to use a little of that strangeness. Okay, how's your normal working for you? Jesus. How do you know when the Holy Spirit's moving in your life? Uh, passionate believers are consumed by the same things that consume Jesus. Passionate believers begin cons- become consumed about the same things that consume Jesus. Is, is your heart like Jesus' heart? Are you in, in, in the story of John 2 and 17 where there's the cleansing of the temple, uh, Jesus uh, is driving the money changers out of the temple. And the reason he's doing it is because that's what they were doing. They were changing money. They were exchanging money for a profit. All right. So you bring in all your all your coins and we'll change them into Hebrew coins, but it's going to cost you a little bit. All right. And they're bringing these coins in as offerings and sacrifice and they're making an extra buck off of them. Do you see what I'm saying? Lining their own pockets and then sacrifices. Your sacrifice isn't good enough, but we've just happened to have like one of these back here that are on sale uh, for money that you don't have. Uh, So uh, Jesus says, uh, and, 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 and the Lord says this in Mark chapter eleven seventeen. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And so uh, here's, here's what's going on. Jesus sees this. And anybody remember the stories? Because there's a couple of times that he does this. One in the beginning of his ministry and one later in his ministry. And when he does, when he does this, he drives them out. He's kicking over tables. I mean, Jesus is just going about his business. And when he does it, I can see him not doing it in a rage. He just walks in and says, we're not doing this anymore. 
boom, and now you're leaving, okay? And, and he moves in this power, this passionate authority. Can you see that? How many know the Holy Spirit's right there? Because when he was baptized in water and came up, there was a sound from heaven, a voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and he goes right out in the wilderness, deals with the devil, and comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit, and people are being saved and set free, and demons are running, and people are walking, and people are seeing, and, and the crowds are... It's, it's just powerful. And Jesus moving in that authority there at the temple. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is Christ's passion. It's his passion. And, and, and so I think herein lies the issue that the priesthood had lost its passion for the people. They want people to come for their own purposes. And so they're, 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 carnal, they're beginning to become carnally passion rather than spiritually passion. And I, and I know we don't want to just blame the preachers, but Jesus really, he flips the scripts on them because they toss this question at him. The Jews demand, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Now, first of all, I want you to know that they didn't fuss with him while he was doing it. They just walked out. Okay? You know why? How many have ever been in that situation where like the altar call was given and you knew it was all about you. So you just walked out. Yeah. All right? All right? Because spiritual force will have one of two impacts on you. It will either cause repentance or rebellion. Yeah. One of those two things will happen. And so they're just, they're just all full of it. They're outside now all upset. They lost all their money and stuff. And, and Jesus said, well, I tell you, here's an idea. Uh, in John 2, 19, he says this. Here, I'll show you what authority. You guys destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. All right? So what was he ta- who was he talking to? Anybody know who he was talking to? The people that were going to crucify him. So he looks at his crucifiers on that day that he had by the Spirit just manhandled. And, he sa- and they say, well, what authority do you have? And he says, well, I'll show you. I'm going to show you exactly what my authority is. Destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it again. They're thinking, we're not going to destroy any temple. All right? And Jesus is talking about his body, which is a temple, which takes us to another scripture in Matthew 16 and 18, where Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The fellowship, the ecclesia, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In in Romans 8, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you so jesus says you you destroy this temple and they're thinking that temple and to a point they have some revelation because that temple is eventually going to be destroyed but jesus is going to rise and there's going to be a new temple it is the church of the lord jesus christ and the same spirit that raised christ from the dead dwells in you and 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 you This is the temple. Listen, Jesus was consumed with the temple of Almighty God. And we are the house of God that he is consumed with. And he wants to invest his life, his spirit into. Just look. Anybody feel good in the house today? Anybody remember Steve Oliver? Lift your hand if you remember Pop, Steve Oliver. Some of you don't remember him, but on January the 31st was the fourth anniversary of his death. Steve Oliver was one of the elders of the church that asked me to assume this pastorate in 1989. And uh, I love Steve and Charlotte. Love them. Love them so much. He built a house when he was a very young man, had a young family as kids were coming up, just down the road here on Wolfsnare Road, about three doors down from on, on, on this side of the road, about three doors down. And uh, uh, Steve died, Charlotte died, uh, all within six months. You know, he had other family members that passed. His daughter Cindy died. His daughter Valerie died. All they just they all just went on to heaven. I guess there must be a party going on up there. But uh, so I miss Pop. Anybody else just miss him on occasion? I miss. I look for him at the back door. You know. And they, ah! Because Pop would be back there doing this. Amen. 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 
God can. Yeah. I'm going to do this as long as I want to. Okay, so. Anyway. Uh, so for the last year or so, I've driven by the house, and I always look over the house. I don't know why. Anybody, you know, I've been in the house so many times, and I just miss them. I miss going in there. I miss eating with them. I miss talking with them. I mostly miss, one of the things I really miss is Pop piddling around the yard, okay? In the last few years, piddling around the yard because he's a contractor. He's always fixing something, working on something, and the yard was always immaculate. The shrubs were always perfect. Windows were always clean. Nothing was ever broken. Just a great, great yard, great place for his kids to play in the backyard. It's just so wonderful. But if you drive by that house now, the shrubs are all overgrown. The house looks like it needs power washed. Uh, it's just a mess. And I just want to go over there and clean it up for him, but it's not my house. So how, now let me tell you, do you let me tell you why that house is a mess right now. Because Pop is not in it. Do I need to say anything else about that point? You look at yourself and you say, why is there no spiritual passion in my life? Why is this thing a mess? What, come on, why am I always angry? Why am I always unforgiving? Anybody hear what I'm saying? Why are the spiritual shrubs never trimmed? Why, why is the house a mess? Why is there dirt everywhere inside and out? Why? Because nobody's in the house. Folks, when you get Holy Spirit inside house, it will begin to impact outside of house. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? So why? Why can't? Why is my house a mess? Why can't? My, why can't I get work on my relationship? Why? Why? Listen. Get Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Why am I mad all the time? Holy Spirit. I mean, are you trying to fix the house or destroy the house? We are the people of the Lord, and this is this is Revelation. These are the days of the greatest spiritual passion, though. As I read in Acts 2, 16 and 21, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. I just want to stop there for a minute. These are the days. Somebody explained this to me the other day. I don't know who, who it was. Somebody told me that life was like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you got to the end, the faster it seemed to go. Who told me that? Somebody told me, I thought, that is profound. I actually looked at the toilet paper roll in the bathroom one day and I thought, wow, it disappears faster at the end. It does. Anybody, can I get anybody my, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, whoa. Because I used to think 10 years is like 100 years. Now 10 years is like yesterday, you know, right? And uh, it seems like yesterday I was that... And I was a teenager in the 70s. Uh, I, and man, the Jesus movement was taking off. Anybody remember the Jesus movement? Anybody old people like me? Jesus movement. People were walking down the street shouting and singing. And it was so cool. It was the Jesus movement, man. And we did some things, you know. We did some stuff. Did some stuff. And uh, I noticed something the other day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know... I'm older than some of you and younger than some of you, but I'm more older than some of you than younger than some of you. And, uh, and on occasion, like a, an artist from my era will pass. What was it James Ingram that passed this week or something like that? What? James like in his, what, 60s or something like that? I'm thinking, like my two older brothers are 60 and 61, and I'm thinking, I'm not too far behind them. And, uh, and, you know, you can get real depressed about that, but I look at old Christ, little Christelle over there. Christelle, how old are you, honey? 18 years old. Wow. Anybody else 18? Yeah, you wish. <laughs> Anybody been 18 within the last 12 years? Yeah. Father, heal the liars in the house, okay? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I'm ta what are all the terms? Millennials and Xers and... You know, you know, I was the I was the end of the baby boomers, and some of you are like, "Oh, look, right there." How old are you now? Sixteen years old, Danielle. You know, starting in March, it's going to be seventeen in March. Wow. Anybody like in your twenties or thirties? Come on, where are my twenties and thirties? Okay, I, I'm I'm only saying that because I love the sons and daughters prophecy. I mean, I, I'm a son. All right. 
but at the same time, I realize where I am in my life, and I am really excited, Becca, about the next generation, all right? I mean, I've watched you since you were a teenager, you know, and I see where you are right now, rising up as leaders. You know, I see other young adults, young men and women rising up right now with passion. And can I just tell you something? You are not dropouts. You are not quitters. You are a generation that is going to make a difference. So all the negativity that you hear, oh, just sitting around playing video games. No, 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 no. Don't play with me right now. Here's what I know. God has called us to be nothing less than game changers world shapers, risk takers, history makers, sun stoppers, storm stillers, giant killers, and wave walkers. Come on, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that anointed those early disciples are going to touch my children and my grandchildren. Uh, come on, our spiritual children and grandchildren rise up and do stuff for God. We are destined for nothing short of attempting great things for God and expecting great things from Him. There is no hurdle that we cannot leap over. There is no mountain that we cannot scale. There is no storm that we will not stand against. So why do you say that? Who loves Jesus? Where are my people that love Jesus? We need to be disciples of the Lord Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Come here. Come here, Daniel. Come here. Come here. Come here. I'm embarrassed. You're a singer. You can't be embarrassed anymore, okay? You're over that, okay? All right? Come here. Come here. Just follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Okay. Follow me. Could you follow me a little closer? Okay. There we go. There we go. That's better. Okay. Notice how close she is? Notice how close she is? She's 16, almost 17, and I've known her for years, Okay? I need to be a discipler, Amen. right? But here's, here's, what, here's what discipleship meant when Christ said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Because everybody under, had an understanding of that. In that day, a rabbi would come and say, come and follow me. They didn't all say, come and follow me and make you fishers of men. They would say, come and follow me, all right? But it was such an honor to follow that it was said to follow meant to be close enough until the dust of the shoes of the teacher would cover the student. We say come to class. See what I'm saying? Follow me. 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 Come on. Let's do some life together. You see what I'm saying? Follow me. Follow me. Until that we're so close. See, I want spiritual passion. Listen, game changers. You hear what I'm saying right now? Do you see what I'm saying to this next generation? Let's follow so close to the Lord Jesus. And let's follow so close to those that are after the Lord Jesus that we don't come up, oh, I don't want to be anything like the generation before me. That's not what it is. I want to be more empowered. I want to be more on fire. I want to have more of a passionate force than I've ever had or even previous generations. I Look, look, I'm not in competition with the next generation. I want you to do more for Jesus than I have ever done. Can I finish this? Uh, we just worship the Lord. He's here. Worship the Lord. He's here. I mean, he's touching people in the life. In this room, he's touching younger folks as well. He's all of us together. Remember this teaching Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You know what that sounded like? It sounded like Jesus was giving his disciples everything that he had. Everything I got. You think, that's what he gave to the disciples. What's he giving to me? This is for us because he says, I'm going to build my church, which is the body of Christ that is supposed to be a passionate force. Anybody getting this? What are we? A passionate, a passionate force. I was looking at the scripture and thinking about the parking team. Let's hear, give it up for the parking team. Parking team. So 
Last week, I'm coming around the corner, and uh, I see Buck outside with the two wands and his gold or his yellow jacket. And he's like, walk right out into the road. I mean, I guess we can do that, right? I mean, stand in the road and make sure people don't run over each other. How many think that's a good idea? So he's out there directing traffic. And I'm thinking, man, that's good, man. I'm so glad he's out there making sure people don't run into each other. And because that could be bad. Or make sure somebody doesn't get hit while they're walking across the street or things like that. And how important that is. Uh, but I've lived in this area for a long, long time. I've lived here. I could tell you stories. And this is a great neighbor. I'm saying, saying it's a bad neighbor. I'm just saying that I know of broken people that live within just a couple of miles of this place or within a few blocks or a block of this place that I have personally dealt with who just walked in and out of these doors. Sometimes you don't understand this, but I, that scripture, it says, he says, uh, he says I, the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of death will not prevail against it. I'm, I'm just telling you that as the church, sometimes we don't see ourselves as parking lot attendants, and maybe we should. We should be out in the street with little wands uh, directing people away from hell. That's what we should be doing. We should be waving up our and holding up our hands and saying, no, no, I see what direction you're going right now. No, you need to make a turn right here. We, don't, we see ourselves as churchgoers. We're Christians. We lift up our hands at the right time. We put them down at the right time. and We give when he tells us to give. And we come and we go. And try not to get in anybody's business. I'm saying. I'm saying that this. Ne- come on. Where's my next generation at? I want you to see yourself. Sons, I want to see you differently than, anybody, than ever before. I want to see this next generation of leaders. And young adults in here. Young families in this room. I want you to rise up. I want you to let the passionate force of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you begin to shake you from the inside out until you see yourselves passionate. Come on. Drive me nuts because you want to do something for Jesus. I was going to preach about the armor of the Lord a little bit there, but Ephesians 6, how many know about the armor of the Lord? Anybody know about the armor of the Lord, you know, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, feet shouted with the preparation of the gospel of peace and all of that? How many believe we should have the armor of the Lord? Anybody believe we should have it and that it's practical? Listen, we take up the helmet of salvation and we protect our mind, which causes us to think positively, positively about the future and capture thoughts that are lies that we have believed that the enemy has planted. We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and go on the offense against the enemy. I take the shield of faith and I stop every, every, every fiery dart of the evil one. And I begin to realize, wait a minute, we are the light of the world. And I no longer have to be afraid of the darkness because the darkness is afraid of me. When I rise in the morning, the enemy says, oh, no. Anybody get this? Anybody say what I say? Oh, no, the enemy's at. I mean, we do this all the time. Devil's really trying to destroy me. Yeah. The devil is defeated. Come on, say it. The devil is. The devil is what? Defeated. He can only do what we permit him to do. We begin to confess the power and the passion. We would just deal with him passionately. I mean, it's not, come on, get behind me, Satan. Hey! Jesus. Oh. Weapons of our warfare are powerful. Casting, come on, pulling down strongholds. First, 2 Corinthians 10.4, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I, I was I was doing a service at the Botanical Gardens and this happened. Okay, and let me help you with this. Okay, at the Botanical Gardens, and I looked down the aisle, and you know everybody's dressed nice. And anybody ever been to Botanical Gardens for a wedding or anything like that? Anybody? And I looked down the aisle and there's this large snake. I'm telling you, it was a good five feet long. Okay, fat, and I see it, and I don't even think twice about what I'm going to do. I am not going to let that snake touch any of my people in this service. 
And so I just go after it. I don't have a stick. I don't have a weapon. I'm just going after the snake. Now, why would I do that? One, because I was passionate about the people there. I was afraid somebody's going to have a heart attack, you know. But the other thing I've known because, do you know how many snakes I've killed in my life? A lot. I don't know how many snakes I've killed in my life because I grew up in the country in southeastern Ohio. There was a little Miami River about 100 yards in front of me, and the creek that fed it was about 25 feet from my house. And uh, we had snakes crawling in our yards all the time. And it was like, ah, you know, you have just walked in the wrong yard. Yeah. Now, I was not like, you know, old holiness snake handlers. I'm not that guy, all right? But, but we used to just sneak. we just go up to them, grab them by the tail, and crack them like a whip, and their heads would break, their necks would break, and we'd throw them out in the woods. Now, how many think that's nuts? Anybody think that's crazy? Okay, some of you are so afraid. Because, listen, here's the truth, okay? When I ran after that snake at the botanical gardens, you know what it did? It ran away from me. You know why? Because that snake is more afraid of me than I was afraid of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not telling you. Pastor Rick told me to chase down a water moccasin. I, I am not telling you to do that, okay? You corner some of those bad boys, you better know what you're doing. But the reason they're snapping at you is because you got them cornered and they know their life is in danger. They would prefer to run as to snap at you. You see what I'm saying? How many know I'm telling the truth, all right? Now, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that the enemy is afraid of you. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. We don't consider strongholds and think about them. We pull them down. We don't shelve other arguments for contemplation. We cast down every high thing, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. So you should not have idolatry in your life. When the Holy Spirit reveals idolatry in your life, you say, oh, I'm worshiping that instead of God. And you yank it down and you put it under your feet and you crush it. That's what we do. All right. Oh, okay. We got to be done. Does, how many understand that we need Holy Spirit in our life? How many understand that right now? You understand that? And how many would agree with me, Pastor Rick, I have not been as passionate as I should have been regarding the kingdom of God and, and allowed the passion. Anybody with me on this? I need to become passionate about it day in and day out. And some of you said he's going to try to make me into a fanatic. <laughs> Why are you even afraid of that? Holy Spirit knows how to deal with you. Amen. I mean, you stand in front of kings, right? I mean, I got, I got people, you know, I, the Petrics over here. I mean, they go to the Ukraine, and they march them right into governmental offices. All right? Because they are trained politicians. No, they're not. They're just Christians that want to help children. You see what I'm saying? God will use you. He's strategic. How many know He's strategic. He's strategic. Spiritual passion is strategic. Let me show you how strategic he is. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and last line, in you all, before the dot, dot, dot. And what? How many gods? One Lord, one faith, one. So there's one baptism? So we are all in the same baptism. Is that what this is saying? Anybody get this? And he is in you. He's in me, right? Okay. Now just stay put right where you are because we're going to do something. Then we're going to pray. Ushers, would you assist me? Just stay seated right where you are. Just stay seated. And the ushers are going to serve you something. It's going to, be, it's going to look very familiar. Okay? Okay? It's called communion. Okay? And I just want you to take it. Get it in your hands as quickly as you can. You don't, don't just gobble it down yet, okay? But it, and then the scripture says, "Let me." while I'm doing this, keep listening to me. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Since we are all one, he says this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to, get, to, to men. So that means that we are no longer slaves to sin. Somebody say, I'm no longer a slave to sin. All right, so Satan no longer has control of me. And he gave gifts to men. So what does that mean? I am gifted. What? 
Look at the person next to you and tell them you're gifted. Tell them you're gifted. No, tell them again. Tell them you're gifted. Did you get that? What are you? So you're gifted. So Jesus did not set you free so you could live as a pauper the rest of your life. Jesus did not set you free so you could have a miserable existence and do nothing for the kingdom of God. Jesus died for you, rose again, put the same spirit in you that was in him so you could play video games all day. Now, some people say, yeah, busting on my video game plan. I'm not busting on your video game plan. What I'm saying is, is there's more to life. You see, see what I'm saying? God has invested in you. He gave gifts unto us. How many are agreeing with what I'm saying? And we have special abilities. We have incredible abilities. And I want you to look at just verse 16 of that. Ephesians 4, 16. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, and each part in its own special way helps the other part so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All right. When you watch the Super Bowl today, how many want to see the Rams win? How many want to see the, the, what's that other team? The Patriots win. Okay. All right. See? All right. Cliff, once the Patriots win, they're probably going to win. Okay. You might, no. I said. Now watch, watch. Uh, how many believe that Tom Brady is the GOAT? Okay, how many know what I'm talking about when I say that? GOAT, the greatest of all time, all right? Okay, now, right now, I mean, certainly, you know, he is just a magnificent football player, but is, if, if, the, if the Patriots win, should Tom be the only one to get a ring? Here's the fact. I've watched football all my life. Okay? A quarterback is only as good as the people who stand in front of him. And you know what's going on in football season right now? Let me tell you what's going on. You think it's Super Bowl. That's not really what's going on. The biggest thing that's going on is all of those other teams, all the teams right now are analyzing what happened this season. And they are saying, where are our weak spots? Because the draft's going to take place, and they're looking to acquire individuals that will stand in the gaps. Individuals that can either protect their quarterback or can roll over somebody else's offensive line. You are only, come on, Brady knows this. He is only as good as his offensive line is. That's it. That's it. I'm wearing Jason Witten's jersey. You know why Jason Witten was a great player? Because he was an, a born-again child of God. And because not only could he catch the ball, man, an amazing, amazing hands, but he could block. He could block. Sometimes really lousy on my fantasy team. Because he's always blocking. But as far as Dak was concerned, Romo was concerned, it's like, wow, that, guy has, that guy's gifted. I don't need everybody to say, well, I, you know, I'm not a preacher. Good. I am. <laughs> Why don't you say, Holy Spirit, I'm a part of the body of Christ. And here's one reason. You don't believe you are a part of the body of Christ. I already dealt with this earlier in the service. You just don't even believe you're part of the body. You believe you're a church attender. You're a part of the body of Christ. Amen. And he's called all of us to be a part of the body. I don't want to wear people. I don't want to hurt you. I want to help you have your very best life. And you will never have your best life until the passionate force of the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you release it in order that the kingdom of God will be increased. Amen. Amen. Say, ah, I want the Holy Spirit so I can get rich. You need the Holy Spirit. So you can be all that God created you to be. Amen. Amen. So, you, oh, wait, I, we were going to receive. Just stay there. Stay there. Just sit right where you are. Open your communion up. Don't stand. Don't do anything. Just open your communion up. 
I keep walking off the pulpit, messing up the webcast really good. Love you, webcast folks. If you're on webcast, go get you something out of the refrigerator and a piece of bread and join us. Amen? Okay, hold the juice, you got the bread. Okay. Okay, hold up the bread. Now, I'm going to teach you this, okay? Jesus said, come and eat, look, he, he wants the bread. Look at him. Look. Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus said. Now, don't get in a hurry. Just hold on to this. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Right? Now, Jesus said something else that really creeps people out. In fact, many of his disciples, many of the disciples left him after he said this. And some of the disciples, he looked at his main disciples and said, you guys going to leave me too? But they had too much dust on them. (laughs) Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, unless you eat my body and drink my flesh, you will have no part with me. So was Jesus teaching cannibalism? No. He was saying this. When you eat this bread, you are declaring that you are a part of the whole body of Christ. I have children. Diane and I have kids here with our last name. They're grown up. They're serving in ministry. They're they're my flesh and my blood. By DNA, you can figure it out. All right? But when we receive this bread, go ahead, break it. We are declaring that we are children of the Most High God. Anybody with me on this? Come on, get rid of all your anger. You say, well, you know, I want to, but I don't like people. You need to get over that. You know why? Because you're family. You can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. That'll preach. Hold on to your bread. Look around the room. We are the body of Christ. We are the same flesh. Can I get an amen from someone? We are the same flesh. We are a whole body fitly joined together. So, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your bread, for your body. And by receiving this, we choose to be a part of your body, the ecclesia, the fellowship, the body of Christ. Take and eat the bread. And we're also blood relatives. We are blood relatives. We are tight. You're my kin. You're my family. We're blood relatives. You look around the room and say, we don't look like blood relatives. Good. I love messing with the devil like that. I do. That's why you can come in this church and you don't feel racism and you don't feel all those other ism, ism, isms. There's a culture of we are family in this house. We're not playing with people. We're family. We're children of most high God. His blood is in me. His blood is in you. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. And our sin has been washed away. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood, which is poured out for you. Take it and receive it. And remember. Now just lay that down on your seat for a moment. Just lay that down on your seat. All right? Now I got two things that we're going to do now, okay? One is we're going to pray for individuals that are in this deep hole of your life. We're going to pray for you. We want to anoint people. I want my prayer team to be ready to anoint people so that you can be set free carnal passion and empowered by spiritual passion so that you will live by passion the passion of the Holy Spirit secondly just hold your hands up just like this this isn't a stick up but hold your hands up come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus I invite you Holy Spirit to baptize every individual in this room I say in the name of Jesus, we choose not to be religious Christians 
who walk in the flesh. We choose to be empowered and on fire by the Spirit. And to become the light of the world. Now say, come Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would baptize each of us. Not simply in word, but in gifts. Come Holy Spirit. I say, come Holy Spirit. Baptize us in such a way that we can speak to individuals that we have never spoken to. That we will dream like we have never dreamed before. That our children and our children's children, that our sons and our daughters will be empowered by the Spirit of God and will take this world and turn our neighborhoods upside down. Somebody say, welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Fill me. Baptize me. In the name of Jesus. Now just receive that. Receive that. And I want you to vocally receive that. Say yes to the Lord. Say yes, I receive your baptism. I receive your baptism. And allow the power of the Holy Spirit to engulf your life. The passion of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and into your life. To take over your mind and your will and your emotions and give you dreams of what you will do in the kingdom of God. No more Christianity as usual around here. I've added one other thing to this, this gathering, and that is a little card that we placed in your hands. I don't have one here. thought I did, but I don't. It's a passion card. You see this? I want to stop asking you, what do you want to do in church? And I want to ask you, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about children? Are you passionate for the lost? Are you passionate about worship? What are you passionate about? That's because I can't, I can't, I don't want you to operate outside of your passion. Because the passionate force of the Holy Spirit will move you into the places that you're supposed to be. And don't make something up. If you don't know, just take it home and pray about it. Seek the Lord. But if you're passionate about something, we're going to have some interest meetings where people who write some things down about their passions, we can then take your passions and plug you in to ministry opportunity according to your passion rather than just according to the need. Does that make sense to anybody? Anybody passionate? So I've got some buckets up here kind of empty and a mess I want you to take at some time your passion card if you fill it out and come and drop it in a bucket if you don't make it all the way to the platform you can drop your passion bucket in the tithe and offering box in the back okay alright now close your eyes who among you would say pastor I am struggling with passion in my life and I need Holy Spirit I need Holy Spirit to freshly baptize me reminding you that the scripture really the, the great teaching of the scripture is not to be baptized but to be continually baptized in the Holy Spirit I'm tired and I'm weary I don't feel motivated in the kingdom I just don't feel motivated in general or perhaps You need to repent and say, I've got so much carnal passion that I can't seem to find my spiritual passion. Whatever it may be. And while you're just seated there, people's eyes are closed. Most of our eyes are closed. Some of them will be opened, okay? But uh, wave at me and say, Pastor Rick, that's my story. If that's you, just wave at me. Wave at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody stand together now. And those of you that Listen, I'm calling you by the Spirit. Those of you that just lifted your hands, I would like to pray with you. I'd like you to leave your seats. Altar team, please come and be ready as well. Altar team, come and be ready. I would like to pray with those of you. Come on, come on down. You lifted your hand. Come and stand with me. Come and stand with me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Praise Jesus. Put that 
Come on, come on down. Come on, sis. Come on. First time here. First time in the altar. Ah. Jesus. Oh. Come close to me. Come close to me. Come close to me. All my altar workers come around front, if you would. Just come up here on the platform, altar workers, okay? So, here we go. All right, here we go. It's been a great day. Praise Jesus. Need some oil? You're already oiled up. Some oil. Some oil. Get some oil on your hands there, brother. Brother Jay. Oh, you guys. All right. All right. Listen, we will talk to you, but the first thing we're going to do is just anoint you. Listen, just so you get this, don't don't get uh, frightened by this. Here's the teaching of the Word of God, okay? Uh, The apostle actually said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He said, yeah, no, we haven't. We don't even know what Holy Spirit you're talking about. But here's, here's the point. That as believers, you're supposed to anticipate the passionate force of the Holy Spirit indwelling your life. And the Bible says over and over, they laid hands on them and said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to be overly, overly complicated about this, but right now we're going to anoint you and pray that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And across this room, would you lay your hand gently on somebody and would you pray as well? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray that, okay? Pray that. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray one for another. Everybody, just lay your hand on your husband, on your wife, on your children. Pray and say, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Also, fill out those passion cards. Drop them in these buckets, or you can put them in the bucket on the way out the door. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. If you're new to freedom, please meet us in the hospitality room. We love you. Sing, sing.